Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ding dong merrily on Will in heaven the will is willing. Ding dong merrily on Laura. Laura is nice. Welcome to National Treasures to the Christmas one. Because Brighton Market could not entertain us for so long. We're doing a little Christmas party and you're listening to it now. Welcome. One and Hello. all. Uh, welcome to your final National Treasures episode of the year. The plan for this, my friends. We love it so much. Yeah, we're back next year, don't worry. I mean, we've literally recorded a couple already. But as the final one for the year, we thought we'd do something a little bit special. For our patrons, we do a monthly live stream where Laura and I take it in turns to explain something in history to each other uh, in our usual professional, erudite, concise knowledgeable way we've covered things like the salem witch trials we've also covered um a toilet museum in korea literally fucking anything um so this what we've done is we thought we'd put out a live stream so that you the listener who's not on patreon might be slightly enticed to come and join us at patreon.com forward slash national treasures what we've done is Laura and I have written a few quiz rounds for each other. She, you can't see this. We're on a Zoom. It's already distracted by that fucking dog. So we've got Laura and we've I. We've got this reindeer decoration, right? That's got like, you know, like an umbrella has an extendable. What are we? A minute and a half in? <laughs> Shut up. You know, uh, an umbrella has like an extendable thing that puts the umbrella up. Yeah, that's, that, that's what they say, isn't it? Like, you know that <laughs> thing that the umbrella's got that puts the umbrella up? You should have been an engineer. Oh, piss you. Anyway, we've got a reindeer that's got four of those as legs, so you can have, like, a real tall reindeer or a little squat one. And Maki just hates it. She, I, oh, She's so territorial to this reindeer. And anytime she can go and fight it, she, she gets hold of his scarf and she pulls it over and then she just humps its head. And, like... Uh, Tom's not here to tell her off, so I had to pick her up. Otherwise, that whole reindeer is going to get destroyed. Well, Laura, Clay, that, that's one side of putting on it. But what Laura seems to have forgotten is that last week I went round to Laura's house and she said, hey, look at this, it's really funny. <laughs> got the reindeer out, got it all big so that Mackie would fight it. And then when we heard 
Tom, who'd had a terrible day with uh, like flight cancellations, came back. Laura, like a child that had been caught doing something bad, just went, oh, oh, Tom's home and like chewed the dog <laughs> off, fixed the reindeer and put it away so that she wouldn't get in trouble. So don't pretend, Laura, for one second that you are the uh, the, the yeoman of the reindeer community. Listen, I'm fully aware that every behavioural problem my dog has is my own fault because I treat her like a small hairy baby instead of a dog. However, I do not apologise and I won't change so oh well I've got a terrible dog now it's just furious at the front door right now I'm so sorry about this no everyone. you can't I can't what leave me with these people <laughs> it's, I'm just saying there's going to be a backdrop of Jack Russell nightmare anyway anyway um in the chat at the live stream right now um there is uh Hannah says I audibly cheered when Mackie appeared and Mystic says we love that fucking dog so Hey, for Mackie, the third presenter of um, the show. You wish your hamster was as full of personality. Did I tell you when we thought my hamster was dying the other day? Oh, no. Why? So um, there was a cold snap last week in the UK, and it was really, really cold. Like, obviously, it's winter, so it's going to be cold. But I just heard Becca laugh in the other room because she knows the story. So Becca sent me a text. I was out at a gig or something. She's like, I'm really worried about the hamster because... And so I had a hamster. They're often quite docile for a few seconds. But then they're like, fuck, and they go crazy. And this hamster in particular, she's like, she likes to climb, she likes to play. But we got her out and it was so cold. She's like the Lara Croft of hamsters. Yeah, she's like the Lara Croft of hamsters, actually, to be fair. Massive tits as well. Um, so They're triangular. <laughs> uh, so, um, and because a hamster, she's a Syrian hamster, obviously Syria is a much warmer climate than Brighton in the UK. And they can get affected by the cold. So I got home and I was like, maybe she'll be fine. And she was just like this still little thing. And we had a hamster previously who had done that and then basically never woke up. Next morning, I go out to live my life. Uh, and Becca texts me and she's clearly gleeful because she'd gone to see the hamster, make sure she was still alive, given her a little stroke. And what the hamster had done is the second she'd had the contact had and I'm, we we're going to lose our family friendly rating here, had spread her back legs, popped her tail up in the air and began to smell very distinctly like the crisp frazzles. I don't know if you have frazzles in the U in the US. They are a smoky bacon flavoured uh, maize snack. They're very tasty, but they smell the exact same as a hamster that's begging to get banged. Uh, hey. She wasn't dying. She was in heat. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a happy ending. Well done, Frazzlepuss. And now um, she's absolutely fine. But still horny, unless you sorted her out. Well, the cycle of a hamster is like, like sort of fortnightly. So she's not horny now, but she will be sort of around the 29th. And you have to like sort of stroke their back um, haunches like her legs. So she thinks that something good's going to happen. But you can't finger them. Neither, to be fair, do I want to. Quick disclaimer then, when you remembered this was being recorded, that, that, by the way, is a record for how many people watching the live stream put their hands to their faces uh, while you were talking, Will. That was quite impressive. Can um, we start the quiz? <laughs> yes, please. What a festive edition this is. So last week we visited Brighton Christmas Market. Hey, we're not going to lie to you about it, listeners. There was not enough there to spin into two hours of content. So we are now back in the cosy warm, having a little festive quiz. 
Will, I'm going to quiz you first. I've got you five questions in this first round. They're all Christmas related. And this time they're history Christmas. Okay. Christerimus. Um, which ready. I feel is very Treasures Pod related. Question number one for you, William. Which king of England was crowned on Christmas Day? King Stephen. Uh, no, I'm sorry it wasn't. Um, well, fair enough. Um, king William. Which William? The fourth. No. First. William the first. William, William the, the Conqueror. Conqueror. Correct. I did know William. that at Westminster Sodding Abbey. Yes, it was William the Conqueror. He was crowned. So after the Battle of Hastings, um, it was all up in the air, like, well, you've killed the king. Quick, we've got to make you a king. And they were just trying to, like, settle everything back down after all of that. So they hastily crowned him very quickly. Um, yes, at Westminster Abbey in 1066. That's a really good question that I fucked up. Well, try and think before you answer. That's what Ron always says to me on Lex Education. He says, don't just say stuff. Um, okay, question number two, a little bit more recent history. Which English monarch first de delivered a Christmas broadcast? Um, is that on television? It wouldn't have been at that point, no. no. I know the first English monarch to do on television was George VI, because uh, it's in the King's Speech, the film. So maybe it was his radio. So radio was invented. His dad was not called radio. It no, wasn't radio was radio, invented. Shut up. I'm doing my working, please. Um, <laughs> radio was invented while Queen Victoria was on the phone. Throne, on the phone? On the throne. And then after she Hello? died. Who's this? Sorry. And then it was the Edward. The terrible. So then, radio sorry, has been shut invented. up, please. So it was either Victoria, Edward VII, uh, George V, Edward VIII, or George VI. It's not well, George VI. narrowed it down to only one third of all monarchs England's ever there had. There are fucking loads. William, William, Henry, yeah. Stephen, Henry, Richard, John, Henry, Edward, Edward, Richard, three more Henrys. Anyway, um, uh, Hannah's not in because she watches horrible histories. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with, it's either Edward VII or George V. I'm going to go with George V. Yes! Well done. It was George V. And because you got that right, um, I've got a bonus question for you now, which I don't expect you to get right. But this, I didn't know this. Um, bonus question. Who scripted the first Christmas broadcast? It was Winston Churchill. No, it wasn't. Imagine, though. A bit bit early, wasn't it? No, no, I suppose no, not. He was no. the first Lord of the Admiralty. Come yeah, on. No. Somebody a bit more into writing than Churchill. William Shakespeare? Little bit, little bit dead by the time they were oh, doing this. Um, Radio would have was, really blown his mind. Um, Roald Dahl? Um, no. Think about what if um, this script was called How the King Got His Crown? Oh, no, that's one of my clues that's not good. Tom always says my clues are either... That's a really terrible good. clue. No, it isn't. Rudyard um, Kipling. Yes, it was a clue, you see, because you got it. Thank you, Lisa, for saying good clue in the chat. Thank you. Yeah, Rudyard Kipling wrote the first Christmas Monarch broadcast. Fair enough. Uh, really, um, I said something nice about... Um, enough? Are you not even going to pretend that that's interesting? That's interesting. I've got more Rudyard Kipling coolness for you to add on. Oh, well, I'm going to go, mm, fair enough, at the end of it. Rudyard Kipling was massively into oh, war. Oh, who cares? 
until the First World War when his son got killed because he only cared when it started to affect him. If. Oh, yeah, that sad poem. I hate poetry so much. Oh, I'll tell you a po- good poem. You won't. Okay. You can tell me a poem. It won't be a good one. There was a young lady from Staines. That's a limerick, isn't it? It's a form of poetry. Next question, please. I've got things to do. Well, no, I've got a fucking flavour text for you. Can you just be a bit more festive and nice? This is our Christmas party. I really wish there were other employees in our Christmas world. Anyway, so the idea for a Christmas message um, first was um, put out there by the BBC. It was their idea to do it. So John Reith. Um, in 1922, went to King George V and said, oh, how about doing a little broadcast now that we've invented radio? Um, and the king was like, no, don't be stupid. The radio is just for people fighting about making entertainment programmes. We don't want to the royalty to be um, wrapped up in that. But then 10 years later, he came back to him and was like, I really think it'd be a good idea. And... They- um, they should have had him on the board when the royals were um, approached to do it's a royal knockout. <laughs> so um, they came back ten years later and said, "Go on, do have a do have a go." And uh, Queen Mary was like, "Oh, I really think you should." And so they did it on what was then called the Empire Service. It's now called the World Service. Um, and the prime minister was like, yes, you should definitely do it. And they were like, Whoa, I'm a bit nervous. But then Rudyard Kipling said, I'll write it for you. And so they um, broadcast it from Sandringham House. That's nice. Yeah. Um, somebody in the chat, she wants to know the end of the limerick that starts. There was a young lady from Staines. So I'll tell it to you now. There was a young lady from Staines who had some scans of her brains. She learned web VR, put her brains in a jar, and so you could see the result of her pains. There you go. Oh, it wasn't even rude. Fine. Do a rude one now. There was a young fellow named Hunt. Uh-oh. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> who loved to kiss girls on the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She said, right, show me third- the trick you can do with your... Three cups and balls. That good old fellow from Hunt. Well, that was indecipherable. Thank you, William. Close though, wasn't it? Your, question three of your Christmas history round. Um, do you know the first line of the poem entitled An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas? It was the night before Christmas went all through the house. Yes, Will. Well done. Did you know that that was what it was called? Yeah, because you've got a question on that in a bit. <laughs> uh- <laughs> We oh, didn't yeah, I talk you done before we did the questions. Ba, ba, oh, ba, boom. Did I told you I was doing history, but I guess this is more literature than history. Yeah, the issue is you do in history and then didn't. Do you want a, do you want a geography question? No, I don't. I want to finish doing my questions. Not what color is Santa's? Showing up in front of your friends. Next there is question, absolutely please. no coming back from someone telling you to stop showing off in front of I'll your tell friends. You what, I'll tell it's you what, the but... most leg swipey no, thing you can say to someone. There's a worse one, which yeah? is who are you showing off for? Oh yeah. Oh, nothing deflates the fun in your heart quicker than somebody doing that. Ugh. Who are you showing um, off for? So yeah, a visit from St. Nicholas was more commonly known, it is more commonly known as the night before Christmas, it was the night before Christmas. It was first published anonymously, ooh, in 1823. 
circa history. And um, later on, Clement Clark Moore claimed authorship of it in 1837. That's like when you get a terror attack, isn't it? Like the IRA have claimed this poem. (laughs) Yeah, and the devastating effects that it's had. Okay, question four. Um, No, we'll do question five first because it's a super easy one. But that Um, will become question four. Yeah, now it's question four. Uh, In 1931, Santa Claus got a big advertising job with which company, after which he remained almost exclusively in his red coat? Holidays are coming, holidays are coming. Nicaraguan death squads. Coca-Cola. Correct. I included this question mainly for the flavour text because I was interested in this because it's a common like misfact where people say, oh, did you know Santa Claus had a green coat until the Coca-Cola Corporation changed it to red, blah, blah, blah. That's not strictly true. Prior to being um, the Coca-Cola spokesperson, um, Santa Claus sometimes had a red coat, sometimes had a green coat, sometimes had all sorts of colours, but then after Coca-Cola, very just switch to red almost permanently so that's the origin of that sort of half fact there um which i thought was fun that's really good actually yeah um i I knew that they hadn't changed it but i didn't know that it was sort of because of them that he was primarily seen as red so that's a really good thing for me to learn at my christmas party yeah now do a shot okay and your final question in the history section which which English king is credited with, <laughs> I don't know why my mouth stopped working for half this, which, wah, wah, wah. do you know what? I was half thinking of having a glass of wine while we did this. And then I thought, don't, because you've still got book club after this. And then you've got to edit this. You'll be an absolute mess by the time you get to book club, just sobbing about Meghan Markle. So I didn't, but maybe I'll be able to talk better if I could. So what? William, <laughs> what? Bye. I've been recording nonstop since four o'clock. My brain is fried. Um, Which famous English king is credited with associating turkeys with Christmas dinner? Well, it's got to be after Henry VIII because I'm going to say George III. I'm sorry, Will. It was Henry VIII himself. Wow. Yeah. So um, he, well, there's documentation of turkeys first being imported into the UK in the early 16th century, because obviously this is a time of big exploration for British people. We're discovering other countries and turning up and seeing what's there. And Henry VIII was apparently the first British monarch to enjoy turkey on Christmas Day. But then it did take another 400 years for the turkey to go from being a very speciality luxury item to the most popular Christmas Day dinner. Would you like to hear a fact about Christmas dinner that I learned and nearly did a question for you about, but didn't? So I can just tell you, before turkeys were brought over to the UK, which um, the upper classes would eat which bird that after they had plucked it and cooked it, they would redress it in its own feathers before they ate it. Which bird was that? I reckon a peacock. It was a peacock. Yeah. Do you want to do the Harriet Diet story just for old time's sake? No, no, no. And if you don't get that joke, listen back to our <laughs> oeuvre. 
Yeah, that's like that features in nearly every single visit we did in series one, two and three. Um, there's a bonus fact in the chat. There is no portrait of Henry VIII holding a turkey leg. Good fact. I, I do believe that, that was. Did we discuss the Mandela effect on here? We did, but I don't think that came up. Yeah, because it's the because the Mandela effect is that he's holding the turkey leg, but he's not and never was. Boop boop whoop. Okay, well, over to you to quiz me. All right, I've done your first round, Laura, on Christmas science because I know how Aww. much you love science, Laura. Science. I hate Uncle Jamie. I hate Uncle Jamie. Um, right. Question one, Laura. Yeah. If Santa gave every child on earth one present, his sleigh would weigh roughly 925,000 tonnes. How many reindeer would you need to pull a sleigh oh, weighing 925,000 tonnes? Is it A, 2,000 reindeer, B, 10,000 reindeer, C, 5.6 million reindeer, or D, this is some bullshit. 9.5 million reindeer? And it is this a is question about force per square inches, about newtons per metre, so it's very much science. This is some bollocks is what it is. So, I'm asking you about Henry VIII and George V and you're like, calculate the weight of a reindeer and a present. Laura, 2,000, 10,000, 5.6 million. I didn't listen to the question because I was outraged. How many reindeer would it take? How many to... children are there? Don't know, but one present each would be 925,000 tonnes. Oh, the middle one. There you go. Which was well, four. <laughs> 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 um, first middle, second eldest, like me. What do you t A, B, C, or D? Stop fucking over the four. Yeah. Sorry. What? Fuck. Question. Two thousand, ten thousand, five point six million, or nine point six million. Two thousand. That's not. That's not any middle. That's the lowest. Well, I said B. 10,000, wrong. It would take C, 5.6 million reindeer to pull a sleigh of 925,000 tonnes. Interestingly, Laura, if you're going Fast to... Fast and loose with the word interesting there. So if you're going to include caribou as reindeer, which really you shouldn't because they're caribou. Caribou? What film that from? Uh, don't know. If you don't include caribou, there are only four million reindeer in the world. So there aren't even enough to pull the sleigh. If you include caribou, there are 7.5 million. So they could do it. And about 2.3 million could have it off. Question two. You and I, Laura, call them snowflakes. But what do scientists call them? Is it A, ice hexagons? B, the woke brigade? <laughs> Little joke there, it's not B, guys. I thought I'd whack in for this comedy podcast because we got to get the fucking podcast awards. How dare they? C, snow crystals, or D, fractal water. That's A, ice hexagons. B, the woke brigade. <laughs> C, snow crystals, or D, fractal water. Um, I like this question, Will. I don't think it's ice hexagons. Um, I just feel like that's not scientific enough. The Woke Brigade, I believe that most scientists are a little bit too intellectual and progressive for that kind of churlish behaviour. I can't remember what the third one was. So Snow probably crystals. 
snow crystals. Snow crystal is nice, but crystals feels a bit new agey, doesn't it, for science? Um, and the word fractals shows up in frozen. Frozen fractals all around. So I want to go with that one because um, that's a great song. Fractals, please. It's snow crystals. I put oh. fractal water as an option because of the song in Frozen. Oh, we're so similar. Well, yeah, snow but I, yeah. crystals like snow crystals. There's snow crystals I know. Um, Good question. Isn't it? So By yeah, the way, uh, caribou comes from the Polar Express. Nobody answered in the chat, and I'm disappointed in all of you for that behaviour. Yeah, bah. Work harder. I, though Matt Please did make a harder. good point. Matt made it. Matt Morick made an excellent point because, of course, it would take that many reindeer, but we haven't bought into the fact that Santa's sleigh is magic. Um, right, question three, Laura, on Christmas science. Do you did you add that disclaimer in case children listen to our podcast? Because we there's swear every twenty seconds. There's a child on the live stream. Yeah, but that's only a small one. We're that's a, too small. Doesn't even know what words mean yet. Okay, okay. Question three. Particularly in the UK, I'm not sure about other countries, before you eat your Christmas dinner, you sit down and you pull a Christmas cracker. It reveals a lovely... I certainly do. Hello, Tom, you sexy bastard. You're wanking off Tom before Christmas dinner. Oh, pull. If you pull someone, that's a kiss, isn't it? What did you pull last night? Yeah, snubbed her in the club. Yes, you wanked me off at her nan's house before Christmas dinner. Um, Someone, don't be wanking them off, Will. There's a child on here, Laura. So, anyway... Um, because when you pull it, you pull it and there's a lovely little smell of explosion and a nice noise. But what three chemicals are used in Christmas crackers to attain that effect? Is it A, potassium nitrate, charcoal and sulfur? Is it B, potassium nitrate, baking powder and sulfur? Is it C, potassium nitrate, charcoal and chalk? Or is it D, potassium nitrate, cream of tartar and sulfur. Will. Laura. I'd love to give you some egghead style explaining of my thought process here, but I've got nothing because those were just some random words that do not mean anything to me. I want you to do well, Laura. I do think that the ones that include baking powder or cream of tartar probably aren't because one's something you dip scampi in and one's something you use to make scones. So once you eradicate them, you're left with potassium nitrate, charcoal and sulfur or potassium nitrate, charcoal and chalk. And you know what sulfur smells like because you went to school and that's the smell you get from a cracker. So if I were you, I'd probably go with that one. And I wouldn't let my own ignorance get in the way of a good question at a quiz. I don't know which one she says when one of the has cream of fucking tartar in it. Do you know what, mate? What I'm learning from this Christmas party is that it's such a good job you are self-employed and no one else has to put up with this shit. Well, if I you were in jobs. an office, you'd be even more disgruntled than you currently are, sitting there ruining everybody's fun. I think it's I think it's A, William, the Correct. sulfur one. And I already actually knew that before you were a patronising sod about it. And speaking of uh, working in places... I was at the, working in the cafe at the minute. Becca came in for a coffee and all the girls in the cafe were like... Did she pretend like, not to know you? No, all the girls in the cafe were like, God, isn't Will just great to have around? Isn't he just such a light, airy guy? And Becca went, what are this fucking guy? I'm just nice yeah. when I need to be. Well, you need to be now. You're literally performing. Yeah, but look, people are laughing. 
Yeah. Someone's left. I'll give you. I'll give you that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mum's Christmas present has fallen again. <laughs> um. Anyway, question four. <laughs> From looking at the shape of the poop, you can tell the gender of a turkey. True or false? Oh. Um. True. Correct. That's a great fact. That yeah. that makes up for everything else you've done on this episode. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I'd love to go into a bit more deep with you, but there's nothing f- more interesting than lady reindeers look like that. That when they poo, male reindeers look like that. Bang. End. I thought you just said turkeys. Oh yeah, I meant turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> it is turkeys. Yeah. Do they not have like wet poops like other birds? Then do they not have cloacas where all the water and stuff comes out you have now asked beyond my knowledge says isn't reindeer poo square i think that's wombats and yes jumps into agree believe that is wombats um wouldn't a bird just be producing just like a squat mess though i don't no. understand how it's a different shape no maybe it is reindeers oh, um do you know what I'll, I'll amend the question you can tell the gender of either a rainbow or a reindeer. <laughs> a rainbow <laughs> Gendered rainbows. This sounds like somebody's making a, a headline generator designed to upset right wingers. <laughs> We're having a rainbow gender reveal party. We've got 19 turkeys. Um, I've just got a text from a friend of mine who's at the All Killer No Filler live show today. And apparently Rachel was talking about how much my mum loves the F1. I can't think in what context that would come up. So she's gone off the F1 now, my mum. Oh, she's gone off. She doesn't like it well, after she, all that Ferrari espionage. Well, genuinely, she's like, they're just cheating with money. My mum's loved the F1 since, like, 1966. She watches it every week. She loves it. I've been saving up to take her to Silverstone for the Grand Prix. And every day she was like, I'm not watching it anymore. I'm boycotting it. Anyway, question five in your science well, not quiz. Done, I feel like we've done about ten questions. <laughs> if Santa were to visit every house on Earth in one night and he weren't magic before you pop in... <laughs> How fast would he need to travel? Is it A, 1,367 miles a second, 10,024 miles an hour, 50,001 miles an hour, midway through, or 16,794 miles a second? Oh, the fourth one, the fastest one. No, it's the first one, 1,367 miles a second. But of course, he's magic, so it's fine. I hated your science questions mostly, Will. You like the poo one. I did like the poo one, but poo isn't science. Poo is fun. Um, Round two from you. Round two from me, Will. Are you ready for some Christmas geography? Geography is a real blind spot in my general knowledge, so it's going to be a tough lesson for everyone. It's loosely geography in the same way it was loosely history. This one, I loved this question. Um, In which country do people eat... KFC for Christmas. Japan. Yes, Will. Well done. And I had a look into this because I was like, that's exciting. Where does that come from? It was literally just an ad campaign that really took off. How incredible is that? Yeah, fantastic. I love it. So, I think it's really great. 
This information is from the BBC website here. So according to a KFC Japan spokeswoman, Motoishi Nakatani, uh, it started thanks to Takeshi Okawara, who was the manager of the first KFC in Japan. Uh, it opened in around 1970 and Okawara, I mean, it says here, woke up at midnight and jotted down an idea that came to him in a dream. What, chicken? Get fucked with that. Um, but Sell basically, chicken. <laughs> Sell more chicken. Keep my job. Yay, capitalism. Um, he had an idea for a party barrel to be sold at Christmas. So he'd heard a couple of foreigners who were in KFC talking about how they missed having turkey for Christmas. Um, and then uh, he sort of thought like, oh, I wonder if we started doing Christmas associated specials around Christmas time, it would work as a substitute for Westerners or Christians who missed a sort of big turkey dinner to have something along those lines, a poultry substitute for their Christmas dinner. And that's poultry, P-O-U-L-T-R-Y, not poultry, because there's nothing poultry about KFC. Um, their vegan burgers are really getting me through being a vegetarian and wanting to eat chicken as much as I regularly do. Anyway, so he sort of started marketing um, this party barrel ready for Christmas. And then in 1974, KFC were like, well, this is going well at his store. So we're going to make it national. Um, and um, they gave it a name which translates to Kentucky for Christmas. And it just went mad like everybody was like yeah brilliant idea um there wasn't really a tradition of what to do at christmas in japan and kfc were like do you want chicken and people went yeah great yeah, i love it great um so they have advertising they show japanese families sort of crowding around a bucket of fried chicken um and they've like made it into like they sell cake and wine as well it's not just like a bucket of thighs they've really gone big for it and and they range from um, you know, like small packages to big packages. And according to KFC, the packages account for about a third of the chain's yearly sales in Japan. Well, Merry Bloody Christmas. Domo Arigato. Okay, so that was question one. Well done, Will. Um, your next question. The poinsettia is a traditional Christmas flower, but from where does it originate? It's Italian, isn't it? It's not, I'm afraid. No, it is... Mexican. The Mexican, is it? Wow. Yeah. It's a native plant to Mexico, and in Spanish, the plant is called Flor de la Noche Buena, Flower of the Holy Night, due to its resemblance to the Star of Bethlehem. That's a really good fact. I used to work at a restaurant with a cocktail called a poinsettia, and it was rancid. Oh. <laughs> I drank a lot of cocktails last night. Um, but they were all like fancy champagne cocktails. So not even a twinge of hangover this morning. I'm like the rich. They just live differently, don't they? Lovely. Um, okay. Third question, William. Down my way in the West Country, uh, we have a Christmas tradition, which is a little similar to going around caroling, but it's a bit drunker and sometimes involves visiting orchards. What's it called? Ye festive scrumping. No, but that's a good shout. Oh, shaking her head. No. Well, shout your answers now, listeners. The answer is wassailing. Oh, here we go. Wassailing. Wassailing. Yes, wassailing is the practice of people going door to door, singing and offering a drink from the wassail bowl in exchange for gifts. 
boats, but um, caroling sort of largely took over. But there's two different types of wassailing. This is important, Will. So there's that kind of wassailing where you go door to door and you have the bucket of wassail juice, or there's orchard visiting wassailing, which um, is an ancient custom of visiting orchards in the cider producing regions. So this sort of goes right up to Gloucestershire, all that kind of more into the Cotswoldsy West Country area. And you would recite incantations and sing to the trees to promote a good harvest for the coming year. That's wicked. Have you ever heard of Mary Lord? No. Mary Lude. M-A-R-I. New word. L-W-Y-D. It's a Welsh wassail thing where you get a horse skull and then put like a cloak on it and you go round to people's houses and then you have to like, you knock on the door and you've sort of like got a... um, like you've got to sing songs to it so he can't come in. So the horse like, can oh. I come in and drink all your beer? And you'd be like, no, because I've got the friends round. Oh, what after they've gone? No, no, I've got to do this. <laughs> and basically you've got to, if you run out um, of reasons to go in, the horse loses. And if you run out of reasons to keep him out, the horse wins, you've got to give him a beer. Oh, that's mad. Sophie in the chat says, um, the Druids on Anglesey still do it. Fun. Yeah, I Mary- love stuff like that. I, I love different mythology. We used to have a book. Um, you know, I made you listen to some of it. Do you remember we listened to The Boggart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that, they have the myth of the Kailiach Ver, who's like a um, uh, sort of seasonal witch and a frost witch who comes to the door and you have to hang ivy yeah. um, around the windows to keep them away. Really good. I love it where you can see the beginnings of our current traditions, like caroling. You're like, oh, that came from going around and singing to the trees to hope that you got good apples next year. It's, it's fun. Um, okay, your next question. Um, I know we have a few Canadian listeners. What is Santa's postcode in Canada? Um, is it like H0, H0, H0? That's exactly what it is, Will. Well yeah, really done. Good. Smashing. Yes. So that's a postcode you can send stuff to in Canada and it will reach Santa Claus. Um, okay. And your final question, Will, um, sort of links to one of your science questions for me. In which city were Christmas crackers invented? Crackow. <laughs> oh, it's a good comedy answer. It's not the right trivia answer, but it was a good comedy answer. Um, it's know, not, Will. It's an English city. Uh, Leeds. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not. It is London. Oh, fucking London. Engines. Would you like a brief history of Christmas crackers, Will? No, thank you. Oh, all right then. Cool, you're round. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> So Christmas crackers, they date back to the Victorian times. Um, In early 1850s, there was a confectioner in London called Tom Smith, and um, he had these sugared almond bonbons, and he um, wrapped them and sold them in a little twisted paper package, and um, he started adding mottos to the little paper packaging. And because a lot of the times they were given as a like little courting gift, like, oh, I fancy this lady, I'll buy her a little Tom Smith bonbon. So a little bit like Love Hearts, they started putting little love messages on them. And then he was inspired to add the little book bang noise because he put a log on the fire and was like oh that crackle is so nice and festive so he decided to make a little log shaped package that would produce a little bang and inside would be an almond and a little motto and soon the sugared almond sort of got switched out for a small gift um and it was originally sold as the cossack cossack 
C-O-S-A-Q-U-E. Um, but the public just started calling them crackers because we're simple idiots. And we, it went crack. I will call it a cracker. Um, and the paper hat got added in the early 1900s by his sons who took over the manufacturing. And by the 1930s, the love poems had been replaced by jokes or limericks. Um, and yeah, it became a festive tradition. That's really good. Um, I think that information comes from Wikipedia, but I'm not sure. I thought that the paper hats were added because there were crowns, aren't they? Everyone is a king on Christmas Day was like the... Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. I, I don't know the, uh, why they chose that for advertising, but yeah, they were Hannah, a later addition to the cracker. Hannah has put in the chat that she loves this fact. And I say, Hannah, I'm with you. That's a great fact. One of the best bits of content we've done in the last four years, Laura. Um, Yay. I can't believe it's been four years. Would you like a Christmas art and literature quiz round? Yes, please. And I have higher hopes for myself on this one than on the science. Okay. Very simply, um, one of the most famous Christmas stories ever told, other than, you know, Jesus, is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. But to within five years, what year was it released? Oh, why is it first? That's nothing to do with literature. Yeah. A Christmas Carol, the book. Yeah, ask me something about the book. Then, All right, not what's just the first numbers. line? Um, it was a quiet day in Scroogeville, and all through the house, not a no. cratchit was stirring, not even Tim Mouse. No, Marley was dead to begin with. Good line. Now, the question Will is be dead, hopefully forever. Do you want to guess at the Love year? From Laura, That's within five years, book. do you want to guess? Um, uh, can you tell me the century? 18s, yeah, 18s. Okay, um, eighteen sixty-five. Eighteen forty-three. Oh, a bit earlier than I thought. That's okay. sad. Which I'm really bad at when things happen. That you, you could have said nineteen seventeen. I mean, like, oh, okay, yeah. Are you, are you even slightly impressed that I just knew the first line of Christmas Carol off? off no, because it's a sort of wanky thing that you know, like reciting all the kings just off your head. It's like. Oh, Lord, you had some weird ideas about what would make women sleep with you and you've just remembered all of them. But I also had some spot-on ideas about what made women sleep with me. (laughs) What's the first line of, I don't know, Catch-22? Hella was dead to start with, to paraphrase Dickens, but then he woke up and wrote this book and nobody's read it, but everybody sort of knows what a Catch-22 is. It was love at first sight. Brilliant. Look at you again. You can't help yourself just showing off that you got Laura, I lit- while you were pissed around, I got a copy God, of Catch-22 like and opened it up to page all one. all over again, this, talking to you. I literally opened up my, my copy book, of Catch-22. Um, probably of Mice of Men. I've got to go now because I've actually got rolling oh. practice in the morning, but maybe I could take your number. I'd have said of mice and men, but whatever. Question two. Which Christmas ballet features the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy? Oh, William, that is the Nutcracker. That is the Nutcracker. Yes. By? For a bonus um, point? Shakespeare? Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky. Um, now, earlier in one of your rounds, you mentioned a little poem, which is most commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. The first little bit of which begins, Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. But what's next? Um... The children all snug as a bug in their rugs. No, uh, the children, I'm afraid you've jumped ahead. There's something before. Oh, okay. Hang on. So not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Um, the... Dead air is a crime. 
the oh there's not dada you can hear me saying the frosticles snuggled all right by the door give me a clue who's doing what just tell me who it is and i'll tell you what they're doing uh it's an inanimate object something that i that some people stockings all hung by the fire with regret or something like that um the stockings were hung (laughs) by the chimney with care with hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. You can the have children it. Children all snuggled up by the No, Nora. that's it. Finished. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yay. You can have it eventually. <laughs> Thank you, Will, for being lenient. <laughs> the thing is, if I'm writing a poem all about uh, Christmas, I definitely include the line, the stockings were hung by the fire with regret. <laughs> I can't remember what the words were, but I knew the rhythm. That's hard How's to regret <laughs> your emotion going to? <laughs> The stockings were hung <laughs> by their necks until dead. <laughs> Question four. Yeah. Particularly in the UK, The Snowman is one of the most beloved Christmas uh, books and television shows. But who wrote it? Oh, Raymond Briggs. Raymond Briggs. We learned about him the other day. Why, Laura? Did we? Yeah, because where we What's are going... What's happened to my short-term memory? Where we're going for our January episode, he lived nearby. Oh, did he live in Lewis? Well, yeah, but because the, the, the countryside and the... Um, I thought that was Thomas Paine. More than one person lives in Lewis. Well, I think as I my friend Janina lives in Lewis. In that episode, there are basically two of them. Okay, so, um, and finally, Laura, going back to the poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Yeah. Hello, dog. Um... Please so name. Just for people that aren't at the live stream but listening later, Hannah's dog has just arrived. Hello, Hannah's dog. Please name. Rudolph doesn't count. Please name the eight reindeer. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Donna, Cupid, fucking Blitzen. Oh, hang on. Missing one. You're doing it all yeah, late for the point. Shut up. On Dasher, on Dancer, on Comet, and Cupid, on Dancer and Prancer. There's one you've missed. Donna and Blitzen. You've missed one. I'll give you one Dasher, more attempt. Dancer, da- Dasher, Dancer. Oh, no. I swear I had more than the first time I did it. Now I'm on the third time. I can't remember. Dasher, Dancer, Comet, Vixen, Cupid, Prancer, Dancer, Vixen. No. I said Dancer twice. Yeah. You've said Dasher, them all. Dancer. You've said them all now, but not oh, there we go then. Guess, I've said them all. Not by the same guess. I've said them all, but I have said them all. On Dasher so. on Dancer, on Prancer, on Vixen, on, on Comet, Comet, on Cupid, on Donna on, and Blitzen. I said them all. Yeah, but the first time you went on Dasher, on Dancer, on Donna, on Vixen, on Cupid, on Blitzen, and Miss Comet. The second time you missed Prancer and Vixen out, and then you got Donna and Comet around. But you've got them all. You get the point. Yay! And now, for non-Patreon listeners, that is the end of your Christmas quiz live stream. Um, We genuinely would love it if you would join. We completely understand that not everyone has the ability to, and that's absolutely fine. The uh, main favourite podcast will remain free forever. If you do have... and ever, it's free in your ears. You know that we love you forever. If you do have £5 a month to give to the continued 
production of the National Treasures podcast, then please do head to patreon.com forward slash National Treasures, where you will get extended versions of every episode, plus a weekly years and years deep dive into a year by Laura or I, and this monthly live stream. Other than that, we hope you have had a lovely Christmas, and we'll see you in the new year. Yes, for our trip to Lewis Castle. We love you, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.